0: Latently celebrating our birthday, welcome to Hand of Pot. gentlemen boys and girls welcome to episode 241 of hand of pod i'm sam kelly and i'm joined for this very special uh, birthday anniversary edition and we were six years old this past sunday by andres Bruckner.
1: hello well uh, happy birthday congratulations i don't know what to say uh, because something so special uh, it's six years for every or any anything you you well uh, I stopped talking because there is a cup with the oh carry on was yes. okay uh, well it any any way deserves the celebration and the and the toast but uh, meeting or uh, arriving to a sixth anniversary of anything is hard to, to achieve so congratulations and happy birthday again
0: thank you and thank you for being part of it Andres, as well couldn't have done it without you.
1: I, I have been most of the time in a very literal sense because you're the only person yes. who uh, comes along. Yes, yes, and, and for me it's special too because uh, it's near three years and I have been uh, coming to, to this podcast. So it's still uh, I know I know exactly the date in which I I, I started uh, coming here, but uh, it's near three years, and uh, what I can say is that and that it has been told uh, by uh, several listeners is that I have improved my English level coming here. Uh, I don't I know, or I can't say the same about football, uh, but at least to have uh, improved the English is, is good for me, so I am still also happy for that. You have indeed improved, um, and we're glad to have helped you. Normally,
0: I would read out the results from the weekend just gone in the Primera División, um, I will do that now as well. On Sunday, there was one game, for some reason, and it finished Bellis southfield 1, uh, no, it didn't. It finished Bellis southfield 2, Defensive DCR 1. Um, I've no idea why they decided to play that one. It, it's a, a game, it wasn't postponed from before or anything, it's just one of this coming weekend's matches that they decided to play a week early for some reason. But, there we go. That happened. Did you watch it? Uh,
1: no. no. What, what was natural is for Belles to lose uh, the this championship this tournament was like that Um, and what is strange about that match which which I haven't uh, watched is that was after that that the Ariel Holland resigned because Uh, yesterday I watched an interview made to Sebastián Beccacese Beccacese, uh, the the, the brand new coach for Defensa y Justicia
0: yeah, Ariel Olan appears to have resigned after that. Yeah, he. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he sent an open letter to everybody saying, "I had a wonderful time at this club and blah blah blah." Um, Ariel Olan is is the former hockey. Um, I don't know what they call them in hockey, manager or coach. I guess coach, um, who uh, took charge of Defence was DCR some time ago and um, playing decent football, but this season at least, not um, getting the best of results. So he's on his way. So we have another casualty. Uh, but as I say I'm not really sure why that match was played on Sunday afternoon um, but there we go is there a rugby game next weekend at Melissa Stadium or something like that maybe
1: oh, no because so- they're playing oh. in
0: Europe aren't they at the moment the Pumas um, who knows anyway this is how much attention we were paying to the domestic scene over an international break it's a nice chance for a weekend off Um so, that was the Primera at the weekend, and the more important and meaningful matches, of course, we presume that you, dear listeners, already know the results of, but I'm going to go through them anyway. Uh, incidentally, this is where I'm going to apologise just very briefly for the fact that I'm going to spend a fair bit of this podcast sniffing like Donald Trump at a presidential election uh, debate. Um, this is not because I'm off my face on cocaine, it's because my allergies have come up a bit today. It's been very, very windy um, and that's been blowing the pollen around in the air so I might be, while Andres is talking taking the opportunity to <laughs> do that a little bit from time to time and I apologise if you catch that in your ear holes uh, yourselves anyway um, what was I saying, right, yes, the scores from the week just gone, in the that was a plural week um, in the World Cup qualifiers are, now where are the first of those games uh it was 10th of November, there it is. So they were, Colombia nil, Chile nil in a game which um, it wasn't the best game, but Colombia probably should have been a couple of goals up at the break. Uh, Claudio Bravo with two magnificent saves in the first half. Uh, he then went off, pardon me, injured in the second half, but he was fit again to play Chile's um, second game in the header. so don't panic if you're a Manchester City fan. Uh, then we had uh, Uruguay 2, Ecuador 1, Paraguay 1, Peru 4. So that 3-0 away win in La Paz has boosted Peru's confidence away from home, clearly. Uh, that's a joke. Venezuela 5, Bolivia 0. Brazil 3, Argentina nil, which was not a FIFA-imposed walkover, but might as well have been. Um, and then on Tuesday, we have Bolivia 1, Paraguay nil. Ecuador 3, Venezuela 0, Chile 3, Uruguay 1, in a real turnaround in the form book, Um, Argentina 3, Colombia 0, and Peru 0, Brazil 2. All of that means that the standings are as follows. Brazil are top of the table with 27 points, having now won... Did you see this? Six consecutive qualifiers in one campaign for the first time since qualifying for the 1970 World Cup. Um, which is quite a record Uh, Uruguay are second with 23 points so there's a little bit of a gap opening up now for Brazil after Uruguay's defeat to Chile Ecuador and Chile both have 20 points Ecuador are just ahead on goal difference in third and fourth Um, Argentina are currently in the playoff spot so they moved one position up compared with uh, this time last week when we were recording the previous episode Um, they've got 19 points in fifth spot which of course as I say is the playoffs. Uh, Colombia are a point behind on 18 points Paraguay are in 7th with 15 points Peru in 8th with 14 and then there's a big gap to Bolivia with 7 and Venezuela with 5 bringing up the rear um, although it's obviously worth again from the team form point of view at least pointing out that Bolivia did have those uh, I think it was was it 2 points wasn't it? no it was 1 wasn't it yes. no 2 points they drew both matches I think yes. um, so. They, Bolivia effectively had 2 points knocked off Um which they are appealing, so they might get those points back, uh, and indeed Chile might uh, and, and um, Peru might have three points knocked off their own to- uh, well, or rather might have in Chile's case it would be two points, and I think in Peru's case it would be two points as well knocked off their own totals and have the original scores of those matches um, restored in which case Argentina would jump up to fourth and Chile would drop uh, Colombia would, would jump into the playoff spot in fifth Um how did you what did you make of the two qualifiers, Andres? I mean, the Brazil game seems like a long time ago now, but I guess we should uh, brush over it as well.
1: Yes, I, I was you were a bit more optimistic than me in terms of the preview of them of that match against uh, Brazil. I mean, uh, I thought that they would make it to 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 get a, a, at least a draw, but well, finally, it was the match that if if, if football uh, were logical, that would have been the the, the result. I don't know if three nil uh, is so a big difference, but uh, Brazil will have won because they are in a be- much better form than Argentina. They they are they have uh, uh, changed the mentality with with uh, some new players that came into the team and are doing it very well. Uh, for example, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Jesus was is the name uh, yeah. of the of the striker that uh, now appears like he's uh, uh, doing things uh, uh, very good and and he's only has has only five or six matches. I think he started with Tite in the in the national team of Brazil and he has ca- jumped into the team uh, very, nat- very naturally in very natural way and now he's uh, he's part of the team of. Uh, when, when in Argentina, uh, st- we are still debating whether Icardi, dibala Prato, Prato, uh, Iwai, Alario... Well, there are a lot of strikers that are, I, I, I think that, that are fighting for, a, for a spot. Not Icardi because uh, Icardi hasn't even been called up. But uh, the, other, the other, strikers are there in the, in a f- like fighting for a spot. Mm. So. Uh, that is the main difference between Brazil and Argentina now any any player that comes to the team in Brazil uh, is like uh, he's welcome and he plays uh, uh, in, a, in a good way uh, and Argentina well had the, 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 defi- the defensive, defensive difficulties di- difficulties or problems to say it in a, a easier way uh, the same problems that have been having in the last matches, with Brazil having Neymar uh, at the best uh, at, at the best possibilities, with uh, uh, Felipe Coutinho with that wonderful striker strike, and and so well, uh, that made a, a match with no equa- equivalences, with no uh, uh, not even much, but uh, Brazil being the the one uh, who dominated in the most of the match, and well, naturally they they got a a victory that for me was at least in the first half uh, uh, there there wasn't a so big difference but in the second half they they uh, they put their machines on and and, and well there was a, a big big difference there
0: yeah um obviously most of our listeners I'm assuming would have seen the game but some of you won't have done particularly I guess those in the u k and in Europe who for whom it would have been fairly late at night um I thought that the first half was, by and large, pretty even given what Argentina were obviously trying to do, which was to frustrate Brazil and, and maybe look for something on the break, but ultimately looking for a point. Um, and what cost them, not for the first time, uh, particularly since Bals has taken charge, was defensive lapses in concentration. I mean, there were two moments in the first half, basically, where Argentina's defenders lost track of where Neymar was for you know a couple of seconds, and those were the two goals, Um Basically, and then obviously, as you say, in in the second half, that allowed Brazil to just say, you know what, have the ball, do what you want with it, and it looked very, very comfortable. It wasn't that Brazil were falling back and, you know, playing, hacking the ball off their line. They were just quite happy to uh, sort of hold Argentina at at arm's length, like the cartoon of the bully with the big long arms just leaning on the other kid's forehead and flailing around and unable to contact him.
1: I I particularly remember a a play uh, that. I think it was in the first half not in the second one any any. Uh, even though when, when there was no uh, big difference in favour of Brazil in which Neymar passes through Emmanuel Mas and Mascherano uh, very easily in a way that uh, for professional football is very difficult to to get and finally he shoots the ball and it hits the post uh, uh, at first sight it looked like uh, Romero as uh, 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 Reached the ball and and threw it into the corner kick, but finally it was a, it, it hit only the post. But I, I was surprised because of the of the easiness that Neymar uh, in which Neymar uh, passed through 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 Mass and Mascherano, both mm-hmm. of them, uh, and that, and I think that was that play was in the first half. So that. That uh, uh, made uh, like a map of the match because uh, when Neymar wanted they do they did what what he wanted uh, yes uh, to be redundant mm. and that was key of the match because uh, 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 one of those of the key players uh, I think that uh, in, in several pieces of news it was stated that Neymar one of the keys was Neymar against Messi or well mm. Messi for Argentina Neymar for Brazil and Another difference was that Neymar was uh, very decisive, uh, uh, and Messi couldn't do anything. Uh, uh, just the other way, like like, the other, like against Colombia, in which Messi, of course, was the the key that opened the door for the match. Uh, against Brazil, it wasn't he couldn't do anything, and Neymar, in the as a counterpart, uh, yes, he was the the the, the difference. Yeah, I, I thought the one very big
0: and you know we can sort of segue into the Colombia game now which was a much improved performance after like like we say in particular Argentina were very poor uh, in the second half against Brazil static um, really with the exception of Messi this was a point that um, a couple of days ago I retweeted uh, a video that uh, somebody had made a Barcelona fan about why Messi is more effective for Barcelona than than for Argentina and the sort of highlights of this guy was picking out and and was trying to sort of uh, get people to focus on are the fact that when Messi's on the ball for Barcelona you've got people making runs spotting where the the space is opening up whether it's one of the full backs cutting inside you know say Messi's cutting in from the left the right back cuts inside slightly to allow the right centre back to go closer to Messi and that opens up space on the opponent's right flank and you get uh, Barcelona's uh, left back I've forgotten what he's called now because they keep changing them because I've not been in Europe for six years. not Jordi sure. Alba. That's the one, thank you. Um, and you get Jordi Alba running into that space or you sometimes get Sergio Busquets making that run or whatever. Um, and you know, similarly, if he's in the centre of the pitch, you've got various players looking for where the space is, making the runs. And I thought that the biggest um, difference between the Brazil and Colombia performances these last few days was most noticeable in the centre-forward role, actually. Because Lucas Prato... Benefited from precisely that, Lucas Prato's goal involved Messi getting the ball, cutting him from the left, turning the defender, and Prato thinking, hang on, there's a space opening up there towards the penalty spot, making that run, and Messi found precisely the kind of pass that we see him make all the time for Barcelona, um, and left Prato with, I don't know whether it was a simple header, but it was one that, you know, for a, a striker of his calibre, um, is, is bread and butter, and he, he put it away very nicely. Higuain, by contrast was was static very frequently when Messi was getting the ball and turning defenders um against Brazil um and so the, the 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 video sort of made this point that it's not necessarily the quality of the players around him even you know I mean I think that we mostly would agree that pound for pound and you know ability for ability and and when you look at their club careers and stuff Gonçalo Higuaín is empirically speaking a better striker than Lucas Prato. and yet for Argentina but the head, head, at Prato's this moment, two head, goals in three appearances
1: but at this moment the head of, of all players are as Prato is like eager to play for, to play and, and to, the, to show what he's capable of he went it's like, blocked, like mentally yeah. blocked mm-hmm. uh, That it, it's like Prato invited Messi to play that ball where he finally shot it uh, uh, of course he had to do that and he did it and he always does uh, that kind of, of uh, passes because it wasn't a cross; it was a pass for the head of Prato. Prato, of course, moving very well uh, with the head and and, and just any anyone would say he only had to put the head where he put it and, and, and the ball just getting got into the net. Well, mm-hmm. he had to do that and he did it. But uh, another difference between Prato and Iwain is that uh, and, and the Iwain mental block is that when he was uh, already in, in 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 the into the match against Colombia of replacing Prato uh, at the third goal when uh, with Di Maria scoring that uh, the third goal uh, and Messi uh, made the pass for for di Maria but he it was it could have been also for for Wayne but Iwain, mm. it's like he was like uh, Uh, I don't know how to say it Uh, he passed the ball
0: he was he he was slightly in front of it the pass was sort of yeah indeed indeed. he made the run (laughs) a little bit too early ironically given the criticism I was just making of him Um, but yeah I mean obviously a far better performance on Tuesday against Colombia albeit against opponents uh, who were nowhere near the level that Brazil are Um, bizarre to see Pekumans Colombia play in this way as well I mean as I said, they they were maybe a bit unlucky against Chile on Thursday, um, but even there, they you know they didn't, especially in the second half, they didn't create an awful lot. They should have been ahead at the break, but for Bravo's brilliance, as I say, in the second half they seemed to fall flat, and then for the whole game against Argentina they were very. Um, Pedestrian. I don't think they had a single shot on target the entire match. The closest they came was when James uh, Rodriguez hit the post. Uh, but it was 3-0
1: at that point. Yeah. And there was a header from Falcao. I don't know if it was 1-0 nil or, or nil nil, But the only uh, near... Uh, Just over the crossbar, yeah. Yes. Um, it's in fact, it, it, it looks like Colombia played against Argentina the way Argentina played against Brazil. Just expecting the, the rival and not attacking him. Uh, and when it, when you play not to lose and and expecting a draw, well, uh, uh, most of the times uh, it happens that you lose. Mm. It's like uh, not but not logical, but it's uh, the way you face the match and the way that you try to 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 uh, be in the field in the, in the in the pitch and 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 the the uh, attitude you have there. And of course, I think Colombia was pretty. Uh, passive against Argentina. The way Argentina was against Brazil, I think it was similar attitudes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a, a good parallel to draw in fact. Um,
1: and, and the result was the same, three 0 <sighs> Yes.
0: Yeah. Funny. Yes. Same scoreline as well. Um, so clearly, in spite of the fact that that Argentina have, have you know come back from the abyss, that they, that they did improve. Vastly, when they needed to and in a big match with a lot of pressure on they got the result that they needed Um, there is still some improving to do we have got four months four months until the next qualifiers Um, Bouser's still in a job obviously we might have been possibly questioning whether he was going to be for much longer if they had um, drawn or in particular lost against Colombia but they won Um, and he's still in the hot seat what kind of uh, improvements to you know the squad and also to to his his own game plans and tactics would you like to see um, by the time we reconvene for our next international preview in in March, Andres?
1: Well, uh, anyway any way that Colombia was passive, as I said, the, the same way Argentina was against Brazil, something changed there uh, between Thursday and Tuesday. Uh, because if you play like the, the same way uh, again, even against Colombia, who was clearly expecting Argentina, uh, it wouldn't have been possible to get a, a big difference. And I think uh, in, in talking about the attitude and the way you play or the the, 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 the way you move in the, into, the, into the match, uh, the, the, uh, of course, the match against Colombia was uh, ideal in terms of the the... The way they changed that, but I think Balsa will have time to think about the the, the stuff about the the the, the call up because uh, there are players like I, I don't say and and, and some uh, uh, co- journalists uh, said that Iguain can't be or Macherano or Di Maria can't be in the international team anymore that they have to retire and I think they are magnificent players with a bad moment especially in the national team, so I don't say they have to quit and they don't uh, have to be given any, any other chance, but they uh, arrest or, or, or Bausa saying, telling them, look, I see that you're exhausted, that you are like uh, blocked mentally and I, I, I want to help you, Not it's not something, it's not a way uh, to say uh, you can't uh, be in the national team anymore. but have a rest for this pair of matches, the, uh, against Chile and against uh, Bolivia it is, uh, and then I call, I call you up again if you are, of course, with the good performance in, in your teams, because of course you, you see, you watch you, uh, Juventus and if he's not in the starting lineup when he gets into the match, he's very near to, to, to scoring, the same as I were at at Manchester City, um, even when it's, it was said that Guardiola doesn't want him anymore. Um, so uh, I think that's something to consider and to think uh, slowly because there is time, there is four, m- four months in order to to think for a club. I, I, I would, uh, for example, Di Maria and Iguain, who are the most uh, criticized players. I think when you criticize in a bad way and you say, for example, the, the like he was said the other day that the uh, Messi was smoking. And that's why he got out of the bench. That's well, it wasn't... That doesn't was help any anything. Um, yes.
0: But, uh, yes,
1: of course.
0: Uh, you're quite right and that we should um, sort of move on to that. So to to give some background before you carry on, um, because there possibly are people who still are wondering why um, Argentina's squad took that post-match decision to announce they wouldn't be talking to the press yes. now. Um, there w- There is a uh, radio commentator... He himself says he's not a journalist.
1: Okay, um, he's a, an accountant.
0: And he... Right, because I looked up contador because I was wondering and it said that it could be commentator or accountant. And that, oh. So I didn't sort of put that on Twitter myself, but he is an accountant. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that's what I thought. Um, and he does radio commentary as like a weekend job, I guess. Um, and he, uh, he also seems to be a bit of an attention seeker. Um, and he tweeted on Monday, didn't he, that... Um, Ezekiel Labetzi was going to be left out of the matchday squad uh, because he had smoked uh, a marijuana cigarette um, in the team hotel on Sunday night and uh, then tweeted on Tuesday, I think it was, that he smoked another one. Um, This is a guy who has supposedly or reportedly, depending on whether you believe what he says or whether you believe what practically everybody in the press says, uh, got pending or ongoing court cases against him for um, battering his wife, um, who has a little bit of a record of saying controversial things about um, how getting to a World Cup final is uh, failure as a team, um, and lots of other things. He seems like a really nice guy, I'm being yes. deeply sarcastic. Um, and, you know, he, he also, after these tweets and after that whole story sort of blew up on Monday, um, following his tweet, was then tweeting images of um, of the the ratings for the various radio shows with his way at the top and saying, you know, this is why everybody's jealous of us and stuff. So you were like, I mean, you're being quite open about this being a massive publicity stunt. Um, and obviously there are lots of the Argentine press then who start to say, hey, but this guy isn't a, a, an actual journalist. Why are the players refusing to talk to us? We're the journalists here. It's not fair to single everybody out. But the fact is, you know, I mean... I was watching Teixe Sports every day and uh, a couple of the other um, sports channels here with, with the, their daily sort of football talk shows. And they were laying into Argentina mercilessly after the Brazil defeat. And yeah, it was a very, very poor performance, obviously. Um, but some of the people, you know, I'm thinking of shows like Estudio Football, which frequently just degenerates into a big shouting match. Um, you sort of wonder how, how, pretty, how, how constructive is this criticism? Um, and and they're trying to say you know we're but we don't deserve to be uh, or the players are uh, refusing to talk to the the journalists which is the same thing as refusing to talk to their fans because we're the nexus in between the jour- the players and the fans well no you know they've all got Twitter accounts they've got Instagram accounts they've got Facebook accounts they talk to the fans that way
1: that's the whole point now um, anyway anyway there are shows like, like the one you said like Studio Football from they say that they constantly, when, when they, the match has already been played, they, they, they criticize whether if they won or they lost, they say that they were brilliant or they were a mess, mm. but uh, that's not the problem. I think the problem is when you try to uh, call the attention of people with things that doesn't matter, because it doesn't matter whether a player smokes a c- marijuana cigarette or not. It does not, it's not important for the match. Or for the team, or for the people. No, exactly. Uh, it's, so that's the, important, the problem. When you give entity, or you give importance to a people, to people that doesn't, uh, shouldn't be be uh, important. And well, when he's an accountant and play and pays as a, a, a the the space in which uh, or the time in which he uh, broadcasts broadcasts the program or mm. he does the program, uh, well, that's that. Shows something, something that he's not journalist. Uh, uh, he has not uh, the ability to communicate things in the right way, and in the right uh, moment. So, uh, well, of course, then the players have the right to say, well, we, w- we won't talk anymore to the press for a time because we have been criticized a lot, and, and they have saying they have been telling lies and. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. and the, the the other important thing to note is that this uh, stuff that Anello said uh, is it Anello or Anello? Bad, I think it's, it's Anello, Anello because it? it's yeah. Italian. Um, so the, the, this stuff that Anello said about Lebetsi, he didn't actually sort of have any proof. His evidence, which he also tweeted, was an image of a WhatsApp conversation with no names visible at the top of it or anything. Just saying, yeah, so this is why, you know, very innuendo filled. Um, and indeed, Lovetsi uh, himself is starting legal action against Unai. His um, lawyer announced this uh, yesterday that, that they'd sent the, uh, the the letter to start proceedings. Um, so we shall see what happens. But um, that's why the players took that decision to to not talk to the press. And uh, you know. <sighs> I'm of the opinion that it doesn't really matter very much having unfortunately had to uh, and,
1: and players, write an
0: article on it players
1: time. players should, should understand they won't understand and if, if for example Bausa gets Iwain out of the next call-up and, and puts Icardi in, into, the, into it and calls Prato and Icardi for example and, and Iwain and Aguero aren't there against Chile uh, the same for Di Maria and Acuña is uh, there and and Di Maria isn't perhaps they will tell Bausa. You are blaming us for the bad performances of Argentina. And that shouldn't be uh, taken that way. It will, it should be taken as you are not playing well and for Argentina and I'm giving you a rest. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is it. And, and nothing else. And should be taken naturally, of course. It won't be taken like that because people are of, of, always pointing out. And for example, Higuaín, even before t- touching a single ball, was whistle, being whistled at. Uh, by people. And this was
0: days after Messi, had, after the Brazil match, had sort of, in quite a pub, well publicised interview, had said, We'd like to go out to San Juan. And, you know, I'd ask the, the fans in San Juan to to be, uh, you know, supportive and, and, and not to be all whistled because when you're a player that can, especially in a high pressure match like this, that can get onto, in, into your heads. You know, I've seen it where it, it affects your teammates um, if the atmosphere gets poisonous. And as you say, Iguain was whistled when his substitution was announced, he was whistled every time he got on the ball. Um, and, you know, I was... You, you could hear it on the television. And you're sort of sitting here thinking, yeah. So they move away from the monumental and take it into the provinces because the people support the team better that way. Yes. <laughs> we shall see. Um, but for the moment, Boussa... Uh, the, the, the more important stuff, obviously, than the, than the uh, uh, silent treatment to the press... Um, is, is what happened in these next few months. I personally would like to see Ezequiel Garay re-enter the conversation for centre-back. Um, I'm surprised that Otamendi and Funes Mori survived as the central defensive duo for the Colombia game following the Brazil match. I was expecting that Brazil game to be the last thing we saw of them together for the national team. Um, but obviously, Barça could only pick players from within the squad that he'd already named by that point. So the really interesting thing is going to be seeing who gets named in the next squad. Uh, which as you said earlier Andres is um, at home to Chile on the 23rd of March and then away to Bolivia on the 28th of March so you know if Chile are going to improve as much as they did against Uruguay then that's we, tricky and then away to Bolivia it is will never be Chile with no points.
1: no Vidal which is important piece mm. for them but well uh, it's Chile anyway um, and Bolivia is weak even home but they uh, they got a win an incredible win against Paraguay because I think Paraguay could have won that much. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah. Paraguay were pretty good in the first half, especially considering the altitude. Um, but it's something that Argentina historically have always struggled with, so it's going to be interesting to see that. But obviously, we have four yeah. months um, before we need to cover this one, so we shall move on. What else can we talk about now? Well, we have there moved. was other stuff, wasn't there? Yes. There's the big five, the, the um, talk about the alpha at the moment. And uh, anyway, we're going to take a very quick break. Um, and when we come back, we will um, get into some of that. And we'll also answer some questions. So one of the talking points today, at least on Thursday, um, that has cropped up today regarding the national team is the idea that possibly the match against Chile um, in March that we just mentioned might be played not at the Monumental and not anywhere in the interior of the country, but in La Bombonera, Boca Juniors Stadium. Um, Apparently, according to Armando Perez, I think, no? Um, The acting well, the head of the uh, normalisation committee that's currently in charge of the AFA, uh, the players and the manager have chosen, um, have said that they would like to play in La Monera. Uh I'm assuming that this is because the players want uh, a stadium where they feel closer to the crowd and, you know, where the atmosphere is uh, obviously very well known. River Plate's President Rodolfo D'Onofrio has taken exception to this inevitably he was giving a TV interview earlier Andres what was he
1: saying? That, yes, that, he, wanted, uh, that he will propose uh, Armando Perez to play in the Monumental because there is more people getting there uh, more possibility of more people and that he remembers uh, being, be, being eliminated from the World Cup against Peru uh, for the qualifiers for Bre- uh, Mexico 1970 and uh, this is something I I say, and is of course it's something that has to do with uh, uh, the the statistic, statistics. Is that uh, the last match that Argentina played against, uh, at, La, at the La Bombonera was against Colombia and it was a 1-1 draw. I think. This uh, is at uh, 1997.
0: Full national team level, yes. not counting the Superclásico de las Américas with the the league teams only. Um, um, yeah. 97. Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's not that the uh, bombonera or any any stadium guarantees uh, any results. Um, but apart from that, sounds contradictory, not because I am I am in favor or not to, for to play La uh, uh, La bombonera, but uh, it's contradictory for the players to uh, wanting to play in a, in a stadium where the people is close when they are winning. That that's something. A bit like contradictory.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: it is. Um,
0: we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, but at the moment, it looks like La Bombonera is going to be a very realistic um, option, a very probable option for Argentina um, to feature in. Another thing that's been in the news, in the sports news a bit today, is a rather strange story um in which a one of argentinos juniors uh, youth players dardo torres oh sorry he's the father of one of argentinos juniors youth players um claims that uh the agent patanian had contacted him with a um with the aim of signing his son for on behalf of river plate uh, argentinos have sent a, a sort of open letter addressed to river Complaining about this um, alleged uh, attempt to sign youngsters, I think on. So I can also basically co- co- claiming that, that River tried to sign them without a transfer fee being involved, like a free, to, like free to sort of similar to really long-term listeners with good memories I might recall um, that I've mentioned on on one or two occasions how um, Carlos Tevez, when he was a kid, was called Carlos Martinez and was playing for All Boys. Um, um, Bocker signed him essentially on a free transfer by convincing him to he, convincing his his mum to to change um, his surname to his his uncle's, and his uncle was acting as his his father because his father was is dead, obviously. Um, name, and that's why he took the name Tevez, and that allowed Bocker to come up with an entirely new registration at the AFA rather than to transfer the registration that All Boys held. Um, I think that from from the little that I've seen, that Arcondinos are accusing River of trying to talk like six or seven Argentinos kids into doing something similar to sign for them. River obviously have denied it, um, have said that they will talk club to club with Argentinos if they want to sign these players, but they've not denied wanting to sign the players or being interested in them. They said that they're promising players and that they'll do what they can to sign them, but they've said that they will only do so. Uh, through the legal channels and it's become one of those situations where it gets quite confusing to work out or even, you know, there's no real way of knowing who's telling the truth and who isn't. One of the other kid's parents said that he'd never been contacted by the agent that his son hadn't been talked to either um, and that he thought it was was Argentinos making the whole thing up. Um, So so it's very... It's a very Argentine football kind of situation. It's very, very funny
1: (laughs) but it it has sense because River... uh, as as far as i heard uh, had a bad management of the youth players and 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 kids kids players and that should help river to be stronger in terms of the kids that come to the first division uh, because they are paying now for the bad of course management of 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 kids and, and, and and youth players now we of course we know not only for river but River was one of the strongest teams in terms of the of the youth divisions now it's not uh, uh, taking very good players to the first division or not a lot of players and uh, they sh- they wanted perhaps uh, according to Argentina's uh, uh, letter to uh, make uh, like a move of, of signing a lot of players to well uh, for for the th- th- those, those divisions uh, but yes, it has to do with that with the uh, uh, bad management when Aguilar and then Pasarela were the presidents on, of River and they don't, they didn't get a very good uh, result in terms of, of players getting to the first division, of course.
0: Yeah. And in fact, the father um, who uh, denied that uh, River had been in touch with, with his son was, funnily enough, Carlos Macalester, um who is a... Very, very well known name, Argentinos Juniors and also uh, Boca Juniors, funnily enough. Um, and whose son Alexis McAllister, uh is one of the kids that River are alleged to have tried to have signed. Um the McAllister brothers, Carlos and his brother uh I can't remember what his, his brother's name is, um, run a very well known um and successful uh youth academy out somewhere in Buenos Aires province. Um, and so he's sort of linked with Argentinos. I think he, he he helps their youth academies quite a bit as well. Um, and so he, he tweeted that uh, to save the good name of Club Atlético de Plate, I would like to make clear that they never made any form of contact, um, uh, direct contact with my son or with me. Um, so he's going to continue to be an Argentinos Juniors player until the current contract expires, as far as he's concerned, is what he said. Um It's very confusing. We thought that um, neither of us were following it particularly closely, but we thought it it deserved mentioning. as an interesting thing that's happened in Argentine football today. Um, But like you say, it's very Argentinian. Yes, it is. Confusing because, uh, yes, it is... uh, Not not that it wouldn't happen elsewhere, obviously. You get clubs arguing over young players all over the world all the time. But um, the manner in which it really is almost completely opaque as to who's telling the truth and who's not is um is typically argentine i think uh in many ways we have some listeners questions this is going to be a fairly short episode i think um so we'll start the listeners questions now rakshi chopra asked a couple of days ago is there going to be an argentina colombia podcast i think he was probably given the timing of that tweet asking whether we were going to preview the match the answer to that is obviously not now Uh, as you will have worked out Um, I apologise for not replying via Twitter by the way Um, Rakshit but um, I don't tend to uh, check the the HandaPod Twitter in between episodes Um, but we are reviewing it or we have reviewed it now Uh, Darren Paul as usual has a few racing questions he says how great was it to see Marcos Acuña make his debut for Argentina
1: Well, he he only played a single minutes I think five Mm. minutes uh, replacing Di Maria, at the, uh, yes, five minutes to go. Um, yes, no, we can't say anything about his performance because of that. Uh, but uh, it's useful for him to to uh, jump into the into the match and at least feel what to play for Argentina. And perhaps if he is called up again to get more minutes, uh, I, I, I I would like him to be more me- to have more minutes. Uh, not because Di Maria is playing bad, but because he has been uh, deserving this uh, opportunity for ho- what he ho- for what he has been doing uh, at Brasing, mm. mostly. But yes, five minutes is not uh, enough to to qualify or to give him a, like a, a rating or a performance average.
0: No, unfortunately not. But I would agree. I would have liked to see him given. A little more playing time. Uh, I think that not sending him on in the second half against Brazil was a very good decision because, you know, in that kind of match there was really nothing that you could have learned from him and the rest of the team was so insipid. But um, it would have been nice perhaps that, especially at, you know, already 2 0 up because obviously Di Maria um, scored with about six or seven minutes to go and then was immediately subbed off for Acuna. Maybe with the match completely, you know, more or less dead, it became apparent that Colombia were really struggling to create things. I might have sent him on 15 or 20 minutes earlier, but um, it's good that uh, that he's been given some kind of a chance at least, you know, to win his first cap um, and he's been given that reward for the for his form, which, is, as Darren says, has
1: been fantastic, especially this season. Um, I think that uh, Bausa uh, got Di Maria out of the of the pitch for him to be to get a, like an ovation that didn't haven't occurred, I think. Uh, more than to give to give minutes to to Acuna, and the same thing happened for Higuaín, putting him 15 minutes into the match uh, to demonstrate or to show people or well people to show that he he will will be will continue be, being taken into account. Uh, if he if if he wouldn't have uh, gotten any minutes, we would have, we, we have thought that. Uh, Wayne is not uh, anymore in the national team or he wasn't in the in the match well uh, I think that those two substitutions were not because of tactical issues or or, or, or uh, 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 matters but for uh, to get to to get the, the, the players uh, like uh, uh, like uh, to, to tell them that they will be taken into account or will continue being taken into account, not to, to be not to get uh, or to watch Acuna play or to get or to watch Iwain play because they are Iwain, they, He knows how, how he plays, and five, minute, five minutes for Acuna is too uh, 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 very very few minutes to to get uh, like a conclusion of of what he does what he did. Indeed, Darren also asks, how rassing is it
0: that Bo is injured and out for the Classico after Milito's testimonial, which was played on Saturday, um, just as he's hotting up? Uh, it's very rassing, is the answer. Yes. I'm not sure how serious the injury is, though. Is he going to be out for the classico as well? Yeah, yes,
1: is. He will be out? Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, it's looking that way. Um, certainly for this weekend against Oracan, Um for the classical, I've just googled this because I had missed it having not paid any attention to any football over the weekend. It was very rare that we get a weekend. Yes, off. it's
1: strange to play like a match, uh, match and get injured, it's very, very weird. Yeah, um,
0: but yeah, I've not, I can't find anything here about the actual length of time that he's going to be out, so he might make it out for the classical, you never know. But certainly, it does sound like a very rassing sort of thing to happen. Um, Jack Fuzz asks, why do you think Argentina produces world-class players decade after decade? Uh, he says, in the US, the youth coaches tend to look at Germany, Spain, etc., wanting to copy the infrastructure and methods, and yet Argentina continues to produce world-class players without the same facilities as Europe. Any ideas?
1: Well, it's. I think it's clear that uh, you, you go everywhere in the interior of Argentina and there is fields and fields with a lot of kids playing. Yeah. Uh, the... So-called potrero or the dirt fields in which uh, or stadiums, stadiums not uh, real stadiums but uh, canchas or or courts. Yes, courts uh, in which kids play there, and they are the future of the football in Argentina. And most of the of the players are are discovered that way because there there are scouts that go there to go uh, to the interior mostly to the provinces uh, and they get uh, and they see players and they watch and, and they of course say this is good, this is not good and well they finally get uh, the players to, to the different teams when they are very very small when they are kids and that, then they will get to the teams in uh, sometimes in first division and, and when if they get there, if they stay they then get to the youth divisions, and well, they they get the the formation. Uh,
0: yeah, but I, I think also that there are an amazing amount of cultures here. Um, just, I mean, the, the infrastructure in terms of the facilities and, and you know all the rest of it might not be there. Uh, I mean, the very very top clubs, obviously, it's, it's comparable, I guess, with some of the sites in Europe, uh, at, at, at clubs like River and Bocker. Um, but by and large, the facilities aren't. Aren't to the same standard, but the the, the number of coaches there are um, here dealing with kids, uh, the number of scouts and, and and you know clubs like River and Boca, but even Racing San Lorenzo Independiente, the others in the Big Five, and even clubs beyond that, clubs like Argentinos or Lanús, um, have got scout networks that go right the way across the country. Um, it's not at all unusual to you know find. A kid in, say, Argentinos Juniors youth system who's been brought over from Mendoza or up from Bariloche or somewhere down in Patagonia yes. or wherever. To, now, to you have, the
1: side. Now, now you have now you don't have the 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 amount of players or the quality of players that they they used to have. But you have easily uh, uh, have to mention Fernando Redondo yes. that got from Ar- Argentina Juniors, but before getting Argentinos Juniors, he had played in another teams that are. Uh, with kids and, and and they play there and they start there and then when the coaches from argentina juniors get to the to the small clubs or the clubs in the neighborhoods they watch the players play who, uh, and say this is good and they and they try to hire, hire, hire them and sign, t- sign them up and well uh, that's that's the way it works and uh, it has to do also with the individual uh, uh, effort it's mm. not ha, it has has not to do with the, uh, something that with politics or policies that they, uh, uh, try to get the players into the teams and it's it has more to do with the the effort that the, the single players do with the coach from the teams and and is that is that way not only in football but in a, in a lot of sports uh, in every sport in Argentina it, it, it works 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 like that. Not with policies and, and, and money from budgets from the from the from the government but from the effort that every player does.
0: Yeah. Indeed. Uh, Daniel Edwards, that's English Dan, asks when is the celebratory meeting for our sixth birthday? It's gonna be soon. I need to send an email around still. I forgot.
1: That's the important the most important It uh, is. Answer. Yes. Uh,
0: when are we going to go and eat some Beef. Um, Tariq Al Haider says, How can Boussa help to evolve the national team? And who would you call up in March? Um, how much of an ev- evolution are we expecting uh, with with, with, with Boussa in charge? I mean, it's, I still find he's quite difficult to read because you sort of think, well, is he wanting to show faith in this group of players and, you know, obviously not to stack the players off in public? And that's why he's saying some of the things he's saying after the game about how he has has faith in them and everything um, or does he actually believe that in which case the squad might not change all that much as, as I said I'd, I'd really like to see Garay at least back in the conversation I have not seen any of Valencia this season I know uh, so I don't know how well he is playing but I'm almost certain that he is playing better um, than Nicolas Otamendi and in particular than Remo, Ramiro Funes Mori, um, and that he would be a more solid partner for ideally Javier Mascherano at centre-back and um,
1: Yes, the, the, the problem is that Argentina hasn't been very strong or very very uh, solid in terms of from the middle to the defense to the back mm. to the defense defending. I mean, and uh, uh, of course, Funes Mori and Tamendi sounds like they are the couple that will remain there in the team. Anyway, that they have had a, a poor match against Brazil that shows an image that perhaps is not the the the. 100% of the image, but it was hard to des- to see them play the way that they did. The, the problem is that there is, uh, apart from Garay, for example, that hasn't been co- being called up. Even I think from Martino, I think they are mm. the, the, the only the last call up he got, got was with uh, Sabella. Uh, if I am right, I don't know. Oh, I you mean, might because he was injured for quite a while, wasn't
0: it? Um, when Martino yes. was in charge.
1: Yes, good. Yeah. And, and Musakio has suffered that he played not very well against Paraguay, and then he, of course, he wasn't called up anymore. Uh, so that then the, you have these things that a player that you put in the, into the team, like he will be, that he's good enough to 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 have his his spot in the, in the national team. He doesn't play well, and then you you get him out, uh, yeah. like Musakio for example. Uh, so it's hard to imagine uh, what will happen with the players that are being criticized. Uh, I see more than Funas uh, Mori and Otamendi, Mascherano, Di Maria, th- those are the most... Of course, that they are being criticized doesn't, th- doesn't mean that they are playing uh, so bad. But I think that they are the ones who have been keeping a not very good performance from the last matches. Mm.
0: I mean, I, I personally would, would try to solidify the defence first because from that, you can give the rest of the team the confidence to attack in more numbers. Although, obviously, the midfield needs um, some evolution as well. I thought Banega was, was much better than um, uh, than Lucas Biglia uh, the other day. Um, and and yeah. the sort of drop-off uh, against Colombia. I mean, the drop-off when Banega was swapped out for Biglia towards the end was, was remarkable. You ended up with the team split in two all of a sudden again. So, hopefully... Uh, from an Argentine point of view, I would, I would think that Banega needs to stay in the midfield uh, because it's the first time in sort of quite some time now, really, where I think the last three or four, maybe even five games that he's played for Argentina, he's been good in them. Whereas before, he would have one good game and then one not so good game. He didn't seem to have his head screwed on. I think no. he's maybe now, you know, we, we've talked many times uh, on Hand of Pod. We've laughed about it often about how Banega has maybe not always been the most mature person in the world. Um, but I think he's given me the impression of, at least on the pitch, of somebody who's now got his head screwed on properly and, and he's playing much more consistently as a result. Um, so I would make him the, the centre of midfield um, based on his recent performances. Um, and, and, and as I say, try to solidify that back line, possibly by dropping Mascherano back into it. Um, but we shall see what happens. Uh, John Ewan asks, Does Tuesday's result inevitably prolong Bouser's tenure? Or should the AFA take the opportunity to
1: sack him anyway? He won't be sacked anyway. But uh, some uh, I heard some b- versions that said that uh, if Bosa, if Argentina would have lost against Colombia, he he wouldn't have ex- expected a a, a quit, a, 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 but he would have resigned anyway, uh, alone, not uh, mm. not expecting a fire uh, to. For him to be fired. Uh, so now uh, they won and they are at least at the playoff uh, spot. He will stay, and and he's not the major, the main problem. Even with Argentina playing the way they play, uh, he's not a real problem. And anyway, any any other coach that you try to introduce or to say that he will will be better than Bausa won't fix the the problems of work of, of the. The way Argentina well, plays. I,
0: I think there are coaches out there who, if they were given the job and if they took the job, would do. But part of the problem is that it's difficult to see how many of those coaches are actually available and how many might get the job. Um, you're looking at, I guess, a, a sort of nucleus of, of managers like Jorge Sampaoli, who is, as we know, because they tried to sign him when when they did sign Balsa, way too expensive for Argentina to get. Um, Diego Simeone, who doesn't want the job in, in its current circumstances and who also would be far too expensive. Mauricio Pochettino, who would be far too expensive. And then I guess you're looking maybe at somebody like Marcelo Gachardo, but then you have to remember that Marcelo Gachardo's ultimate boss, Rodolfo D'Onofrio, sits on the AFFA board. So he's not going to just give up his manager to go to the national team. Um, and, and one uh, name that I, I saw mentioned, or rather I have mentioned to me on Twitter... Um, last week that could be a possibility would be uh, Berizzo of Celta de Vigo, who are playing fantastically. Uh, any uh, um, All of
1: them that you have mentioned have already told that they won't quit. Precisely, yeah. That, but the contract... So, uh, so
0: that's the big thing. I mean, yes. I think that there are managers who, who would make a difference, but at the moment, none of them actually want the job. Um, or, if they do want the job, but then none of them are going to get the job because they're too expensive for the effort. Sorry,
1: but where I heard about Berizzo, I, I read a piece of news uh that uh, talked about his work that has been good, very very good, mm-hmm. but that at the very beginning he suffered some defeats that in any, especially in Argentina would have sacked him from the from the charge, and you have six matches now to go there aren't uh, 10 no exactly
0: that's the other thing there's no time to bring in a new manager and let them get used to the ropes and all the rest of it as well they need somebody who's in the job of course if you say
1: Sampaoli and he could uh, cut the contract and, and come to Argentina and make Argentina play the way that Chile played in the World Ca- uh, Copa America uh, that they won well okay come that he will have to change all the team and to be sure that it, it, will, it will work because mm-hmm. the earnest, of course the, the the same thing that is always said is that they don't they have, they have time to try the team to train with the whole team to to all the players together. Uh, I think the only, the only solution, the possible solution, is to stay like they with Bausa, but for Bausa to be uh, to introduce some changes and to have a a, a, red, a, a, a a national team ready with players from the local uh, teams from from Argentina from the league from Argentina and and make them train together and try to well be ready in other in case I need you to to jump yeah. into the team because of course the same players that are playing right now I don't think they can do any more uh, Iwain Di Maria Mascherano uh, are players that are blocked mentally and they are I think they are like like tired and they are e- exhausted. And you have to do something, but I think the coach is not a, this, mm. because of the possibilities and they don't have a, 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 a coach that will accept right now to uh, be the manager. And of course the time that is vital because you have six matches to go on anymore, no, not, not more than six matches.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, by and large, I agree. Uh, Tom Robinson says, "Does the selection's refusal to talk to the media extend to hand a pod um, I suppose technically although not all of us are journalists there are some people who aren't here, so maybe they would talk to um, some of our non journalist panel members but uh yeah, presumably i don't know I never really think of myself as one of the Argentine yes. press I don't,
1: think we, I don't think
0: you if you I, would... I don't think they would have talked to us anyway, but you never know." No.
1: But if we are considering media, the media, perhaps we are not. We are only fans, and perhaps that's a, that's a, that's good for them. Talk with fans. We are fans, and we have to 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 hear you, to know what you think. Well, we don't know. We should try.
0: Indeed, uh, Tom also asks. I heard Joel Richards make a typically excellent appearance on the Football Weekly podcast. Is the turncoat welcome back on Handa Pod now? John is always welcome. Um, in fact, he was going to be on tonight, but he unfortunately forgot um, an appointment. I won't mention what the appointment is for. I'm sure that if you follow him on Twitter, um, it will become apparent uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, but it's uh, let's just say it, it's more important than um, than even our sixth anniversary podcast, if you can possibly imagine such a thing. Um, Tom also congratulates us for reaching six years. Thank you very much, Tom. Tom. Um, Johnny is here as well, he says... Oh, he's just agreeing with what Tom says. Six years old, but they've been talking non-stop since day one. It's the Fernet, I would wager, indeed. Um, Andres has finished his Fernet. I'm on wine tonight because I'm cooking chilli just before and after the podcast recording and uh, we'd stuck some some wine in the chilli, so um, I don't want to mix my drinks. Um, But yes, indeed it is. It's been a pleasurable six years. And now, uh, to round out this sixth anniversary edition we're going to go with mystic Chris Murtax. So I think this is the second week uh, this season that Chris has predicted but we seem to have run out of prediction volunteers um, so if you would like to predict next weekend's um, fixtures or indeed any weekend in the future this season uh, then please do tweet us to at handofpod or contact me by the contact form on the website which is handofpod.wordpress.com and um, here are Chris's predictions after this very brief piece of mystical theme music. Chris is going with Arsenal versus Banfield. He says draw. It pains me when I can't even back my own team to win. On Saturday, he's going for Estudiantes to beat Colón de Santa Fe in La Plata, uh, Tigre to get an away win over Godoy Cruz, he's going for Lanús against Alético Tucumán to be a draw, Union against Tempele to be a Tempele victory, and Huracán to get a home win over Racing in Paque Patricios. On Sunday, he's going for Quilmes Aldocibi to finish all square, Belgrano to lose in Cordoba against Sarmiento, Independiente versus San Lorenzo, he's going for a San Lorenzo win in that, Boca Juniors to beat Rosario Central in La Bombonera, Atletico de Rafaela, uh, he says he literally flipped a coin for this one, he thinks Atletico de Rafaela are going to get a home victory over Tacheres, which would bring to an end Tacheres rather four straight victories. Um, and he's going for Newell's Old Boys to get a home victory over River Plate. And on Monday, Olimpo versus Gimnasia La Plata. He's going for an Olimpo win. And Patronato against San Martín de San Juan is a draw. Don't forget that Vélez against Defensa Justicia has, of course, already been played. Um, and it was a Vélez win, so Chris is only predicting 14 matches this weekend. Andres, any of those that you think are, um particularly risky or particularly astute calls?
1: Well I think Rustin will win against the Rahan. I will put three points in the other way. The attacher will be call Rafael is, is the rival. And the river we get a draw against against the news. That's the difference I I see. I would definitely agree with the first
0: two of those. Um against river really depends on, on which river show up. Uh, particularly on how well Marcelo Machado yes. has managed to Apparently put the Apparently Machado
1: will play as a left-back which is of course very, with,
0: very... With Moreira moving back to right-back yes. um, it's all very confusing. Yes, could be. But we shall see. It all depends on whether we remember how to defend in the middle as well. Um, so we'll see what happens there. It should be another fun weekend um, back from the international break. It always... I think it often seems to be a bit of a jump in um, in excitement when, when you've had a week off. You know remind yourself what you were missing it's like you
1: forget and you when, they, when the first division is back you say ah there was national football
0: yes exactly
1: um,
0: one last thing to mention before we leave is that uh, San Lorenzo against Gimnasia in the Copa Argentina quarterfinal is about to kick off as we record this so stick around after the end of, end of podcast theme music and I will give you um, the full time score of that one um, for now Thank you very much, as we always say at this time of year. For a fun six years, thank you for supporting us. Please tell all of your friends and family and and uh, help us to grow our brand, as we would say, if we were horrible corporate types. Um, and thank you very much for listening. It, it, it's wonderful to know um, that there are still people out there who enjoy our witterings after all this time. Andres, thank you for being here as well.
1: Goodbye, and thank you very much. And from
0: me, goodbye, and thank you indeed. The Copa Argentina quarter-final is over. It's finished uh, Gimnasia La Plata 2, San Lorenzo 2. Gimnasia went 2-0 up and San Lorenzo came back in a thrilling second half before uh, the La Plata side won the penalty shootout 4-2. That means that the Copa Argentina semi-finals are now decided. They will be River Plate against Gimnasia and Rosario Central against Belgrano de Córdoba.